Let's pray. Yeah, Father, God, we, I, I thank you for the messages we've heard here uh, last night and this morning. And uh, Lord, it can just weigh on our hearts. Lord, we think about uh, eternal punishment uh, and separation and pain. And Lord, how, how the pain doesn't stop. Lord, it sounds awful because it is awful. And God, yet there's been a message of hope in the midst of all this, and that hope is that for those of us who have gotten right with you, those of us who have made that choice, and it's as simple as receiving the free gift of salvation that your son, Jesus Christ, gave us by dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Lord, that when we receive that, you've said, hey, you're going to go to a different place. You're going to be in a place where the pain is gone. We're going to be in a place where the pain is not even something that's part of our mind anymore, and instead all of the good stuff and all of the wonderful things are going to be there, and they're going to be better. And so this morning, Lord, as we talk about heaven, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes we would start to see the place you have prepared for us. Lord, bless this time here in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagination. Imagination, right? When I say that, we all go, ah, and you get an idea of, oh, I need to imagine things. I've got, I'm trying to think of what the future is going to hold or or, or cool stuff, and I I was just going to share, like, one thing. You know, for me, when I was a kid, this, like, was my imagination. I, uh, I learned to ski right up the road here uh, in Brighton. Uh, and when I was a kid, this is what I wanted to do. This was my imagination. I would lie in bed at night and imagine that I had that Olympic thing on. And I would, you know, USA, USA, they were chanting. And I was headed down the mogul run. Didn't work out. But that's okay. It's my imagination. As we get older... Sometimes the cares of life and the, the decay of our bodies and those sort of things uh, in our, our minds, it can just weigh us down and we can stop using our imagination. We can stop thinking about what does the future hold? What is going on? Where, where am I headed? Now, most of you are young and you haven't experienced some of those problems of decay quite the way that some of us who are older have. Uh, enjoy that while you can. No, I'm kidding. We, all should be, we should also be enjoying this and, and imagine things. And so this morning, I want you, I, I'm hoping that this talk will help spark your imaginations. I want to spark it. I know we've been talking about things that are hard and heavy, and we're going to talk about something that's a lot lighter now. So, so pay attention. Hopefully, we're going to have some fun here. We wanna, I want you to imagine a place that you can't see, a place that is our final destination, the place we will go. And obviously, I'm talking about heaven. You know what the most, I think the craziest thing about heaven is? The thing that is so crazy about it is that it can be upon each one of us in an instant. In an instant. Uh, It was really interesting a couple weeks ago as I was starting to prepare this message, um, I was, had playing in the background a a recording of what was a live stream of the funeral of my first cousin once removed. 
which is a fancy way of saying it was my mom's cousin. And she'd, she'd passed away, and I was listening to this, this funeral. And um, just to tell you about this woman, I didn't know her particularly well. I'd met her a few times, and she was a very sweet lady. Um, she was in her late 70s, and she'd uh, uh, beaten cancer a few years back, and she was uh, you know, just kind of going about life, and she was in the shower, and she slipped and fell and hit her head, and, and she died before she made it to the hospital. And so she went from, okay, whatever she was doing in her life, and then there she was at heaven. And thankfully, as I listened to this message, I'd known she was a great person, but to hear the way that she loved the Lord and the way she loved Jesus, and she'd placed her faith and her trust in Christ alone. And so I was like, wow, she was not experiencing that eternal pain and that separation from God. She was with God, right? Now, a lot of you are going, okay, well, yeah, that's old people, right? That's what old people do is they die, right? And you're all like, we're young. But unfortunately, it's not just old people. Uh, this guy, uh, Carmen Taglier, uh, that, that is an old picture. Um, he, uh, when I was 14, he was 17. Uh, he was a friend of mine uh, at my high school. He went to my church. As far as I know, he, he knew Jesus. Um, but uh, one morning in the spring, uh, of that year, he was, uh, he was driving to school, and he, he made some bad choices. He ended up in a traffic altercation with a, an older gentleman, uh, and uh, through a series of events, the older gentleman ended up um, pulling out a gun, and uh, Carmen was shot, and he died in his friend's arms right there on the side of the interstate, and he was 17. And I'm sure when he woke up that morning, that morning and when he got in his car and he headed to school and even maybe as he walked up to the car to where he was having that traffic altercation with that guy, he had no idea that in a matter of moments, in the snap of his fingers, he'd be facing heaven. And that's where we are. And I say that again, this is, it's heavy. And maybe just as an aside, I'd say to all of you young people, please don't be reckless. You'll, you will get, we'll all get to heaven eventually. Don't rush it, please. Please don't do that. But heaven, we can't see it with our eyes. And because we can't see it with our eyes, right, we can't just be like, well, I got a, a book and I'm going to look at it. Oh, oh, there's heaven. Yeah, right. It's, we can't see it. We can forget about it. With our hearts and our minds, we can get weighed down by the things that are going on in our lives. But again, just the snap of our fingers and we're there. So I think it's something that we should think about. And, and people have thought about it, you know, all throughout heaven. They've thought about what, what is heaven like? Have you ever asked that question yourself? What is heaven like? You probably have. Maybe you've used your imagination. And I think we need to ask this question, and we need to keep asking this question, because if we don't keep asking the question, we're going to forget. We're going to forget, and we'll get weighed down. Now, humans throughout history have have desperately wanted to know, what is heaven like? And they've, you know, there's all kinds of artwork and stuff, and most of it is really terrible, so I got some of those examples for you this morning. I don't know if you can see this. It's like, yeah, what is that? Yeah, that's like what Aaron was talking about. Like, that doesn't seem very interesting, right? Or, you know, somebody went to town with, like, 3D modeling and had some terrible gates. You're like, what's even past those gates? That doesn't look like that's even worth going through those gates, Right? There's like this, like, uh, I don't even know what to say about that one. And then sometimes it gets funny, too. This is one of my favorite cartoons of all time, right? 
Welcome to heaven, here's your harp. Welcome to hell, here's your accordion. Thank you, Gary Larson, for that one. And then, of course, there's been movies, too. Uh, this one. This is, this is, notice this is All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. For those of you who did not watch All Dogs Go to Heaven, the original movie, let me just give you sort of the spo- spoiler alert. There's a dog, and at the end of the movie... He goes to heaven. <laughs> so then we get the sequel. So guess where the sequel opens? With the dog in heaven, <laughs> right? And guess what? Guess what heaven is like? Clouds and wings and playing harps. And, and guess what? The dog, he's like, this is boring. I, I liked it when I was like chasing other dogs and stealing sausages off of, you know, food vendor carts and that sort of thing. So he sings a song, and the song, the lyric of the song says, it's too heavenly here. And so then he goes back. Somehow he can go back. Like, well, that's terrible, right? That sounds awful. Like, what, you know, but there's all these terrible ideas out there about what heaven is like. And, and why is that? Why are there terrible ideas? Well, because I think it's difficult to really understand. It's so far beyond our comprehension. So what can we really know about heaven? What do we really know? What do we really know? Does God really tell us in Scripture? And he does. He tells us something about heaven. I'm going to start with this verse here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Now, this verse, he's not directly talking about heaven, right? Like he, someone didn't, he didn't say, okay, so here's the deal with heaven. No, no eye has seen. No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about other things. But this is telling us that, hey, there's things in life and in the world and in reality that we, we can't really comprehend. Heaven can't really be described by our senses in, in some sense. And so all of the imaginations and the pictures and the artwork, they they can't really describe what heaven is like because heaven is so far outside of our understanding. And so let's just sort of say hypothetically, like God said, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to bring you into heaven so you can see it and then you can go back and tell people what it's like. Like, wouldn't that be interesting? Well, guess what? That actually happened to the Apostle Paul And here's what Paul says about it. Now, he says, I know a man in Christ. He's talking about himself, right? I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Heaven was so amazing that 14 years later, Paul was like, I still can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. It's amazing. This really reinforces that idea that it's one of those things we can't see or hear or imagine. And even if we could and we tried to communicate it, everybody else would be like, what? It wouldn't make any sense to us. It wouldn't make any sense. So we go, okay, so if heaven is so far beyond our imagination or so far beyond our senses and what we can understand, then how can we even have a hope in that thing? 
Does that seem strange? There's this thing that I can't even imagine, and how can I have a hope in it? Well, the verse tells us there in 2 Corinthians, it says, by his spirit, by God's spirit, we can have understanding and we can have hope. And I think what this means is that God has given us glimpses. In his scripture, he gives us glimpses just enough so that we can be confident and have hope in what we're headed towards. I think of it like this. I think what he's given us is windows. Windows. I think, I don't really know what this house is. Of course, I love architecture. I'm an architect by profession. And here's these windows, right? And it's almost like in Scripture, there's these little views. And I don't know if you can see it in this picture, but it's like, oh, oh, I can kind of see. I can kind of see something that's going on. I see a little piece there. I see a little thing there, something going on outside there. You know what's really cool about windows? You know, windows have two purposes. The first purpose is this one, right? So you can see what's out there. The other purpose is that windows let light in so you can see what's going on inside, right? Think about that for a little bit. Here's some verses, I think, that are windows. These are called the window verses. They give us just little windows where we can see just a little bit into what heaven is going to be like. And don't feel like you've got to write these down unless you really want to. I'm not going to stay on this slide very long. We'll go through a bunch of these today. You can always just do a search and say, verses on heaven, right? And Google will bring that up for you, right? So again, we're going to go through some of these. I'm going to give you some windows into heaven this morning. I'm going to give you some windows, some verses. And we're not going to go too far, again, because we don't want our senses to be the guide. We want the Spirit to be our guide. And we're not going to draw big conclusions. We just want to stick straight to the Scripture. So we're going to go through these. And so here's my first window, is food. Yeah, somebody... Somebody over there speaks my language. This is my jam right here, steak. I love steak. Some of you are like, I don't love steak. You're like that poor cow. I'm like, thank you, cow. (laughs) Thank you. I can't even look at it. It makes me hungry. And Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 8, says, On this mountain... The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples. Well, what mountain is he talking about? He goes on, he says, This mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. He will swallow up death forever. So that's not some mountain here on earth. That's the mountain. That's heaven. And so in heaven there will be a feast. Clearly there's going to be food and it's going to be rich. It's going to be so good. It's going to be smothered in butter and sugar, all the stuff that makes things taste good and fat. None of that health food, right, Steve? It's going to be so good. And so we've got food here on earth, right? Like I'd go back to that picture, but it'd make me hungry again. We've got good food, but even the food we have here on earth has problems, doesn't it, right? One of the main problems with food is that it runs out. (laughs) The steak meal is over at some point, right? And there's some people, in all seriousness, who really, there's hunger is a real struggle for them. They don't have enough food, and that's a huge problem in our world for many people. Another problem with food is that sometimes it tastes bad. We get a little taste of that health food, (laughs) 
And it doesn't taste good. There's stuff, you know, your mother-in-law makes a roast and it doesn't taste good or whatever it is. It's not good. Other times it goes bad. It goes bad. It, it gets that smell, the smell of death, right? Food goes bad. And sadly, even so much of food requires death, doesn't it? I love that steak, but what did it require? Death. It did. I don't want to think about that too much. But these are not going to be problems in heaven. It said he will swallow up death forever. It's going to be swallowed up. It's going to be gone. So whatever that feast is, it's going to far surpass steak or whatever it is that you love. And there won't be any of those problems. There won't be hunger. It won't taste bad. It won't go bad. It won't require death. And there's another problem with food, and that problem is that sometimes we have to eat it alone, right? We have to be alone, but we're not going to be alone in heaven. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus says, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places where? At the feast, with the food in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and the first who will be last. It's going to be the greatest fellowship ever. And there's going to be people from all places and all times and no one's going to be missing. You ever have one of those like Thanksgivings where you're like, ah, those people aren't here. Not going to be like that. Everybody's going to be there. So that's a little glimpse into food. That's your food window today. Now we're going to talk about architecture because I love buildings. And, you know, buildings, really, what's the point of buildings? It's shelter, right? We could just be sitting out in the sun cooking right now like we did at DTC a couple years ago. You guys remember that in Denver when we sat outside? Anyone who was there? We cooked in the sun. Thankfully, we have shelter today. Will we need help, shelter in heaven? That's a question. Will we need it? We won't cook, right? We won't get sunburned or we won't get flooded out or, you know, eaten by the bugs or whatever. Do we need shelter in heaven? Well, what's the Bible say? Jesus himself in John chapter 14, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I'd say now I'm no expert on architecture, but actually, yes, I am an expert on architecture. This verse is architecture. It says house. It says rooms. And those things are meaningless if you don't understand them in the light of architecture. Now, Greg Christman's going to love this part here, but I wanna, don't want to wade into the weeds of architecture, but architecture is really this. It is the intentional creation of space. That's a deep, bro. That's a deep. It's the intentional creation of space, and guess what? When you create space, you have created place. Now look back at the verse. I'm coming to prepare. I'm making a space that makes place. God, the architect, is doing it for us in heaven. We know that's the case here. Now, how do we know this isn't just some kind of like literary illusion that's like, oh, it's just like a, you know, it's just kind of a thing he says. 
because you go, well, it's architecture, but something's missing, right? I do architecture, and I've got to put some pretty concrete information on those drawings. I've got to put the size and the shape and the height and the length and the, the width and the depth. Where's the dimensions? Well, guess what? We get those in Revelation chapter 21. Here's John, and he's walking through the city of heaven, and the angel who talked with him had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls, and he gives the length and the width and the height and the materials, and it's very specific. God's made a place for us. And again, just like with food, there's going to be this sense of permanence without death or decay how would any of you like to live at this house? Does anyone know what this house is? This is, this is one of the, the most amazing homes in the world. It's the home of Bill Gates, which you would expect because he has the most money of anybody in the world. And there's not a lot published about this house. They've been very sort of secret about what's at this house, only little bits and pieces, and you can kind of see it from the air, from the water, and they take these pictures. Yeah, that's all one house right there. Right? That's not a hotel. That's one house. But I actually knew somebody who worked there. He was a security guard. And he told me, he said, they have, they have so much money that they're constantly changing things and constantly working on things. But one of the reasons is they want it to be perfect. They want everything to be perfect. And so if there's the slightest tear in the carpet or the, the slightest rust stain from a, an exposed fastener or something, they tear it all out and replace it. Well, guess what? In heaven, you don't have to do it because there's no decay. All that stuff happens from decay. So even the people who have everything together are still fighting against decay right here in the earth. Heaven's architecture will have no flaws because heaven's architect has no flaws. He is making a place for us that has no flaws. So that's another window into heaven. Another one is the earth. What's your favorite place on earth? This right here is one of mine, my shirt. This is the west coast of Maui. It's a little stormy that day. But I have a feeling if you went out to that point to where that rainbow came down, there wouldn't be a pot of gold. You'd just be like, oh, I'm, I'm like standing on the pot of gold because this is the greatest place on earth. <laughs> it's amazing. That's one of my favorite places. Another one of my favorite places on earth is this right here in the state of Utah, Zion Canyon beautiful. It's beautiful. So what's heaven's environment going to be like? What's it going to be like in heaven? Revelation chapter 22, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth, that's the one we're on, had passed away. It's gone. There's no longer any sea. No longer any sea. You guys in California are probably like, that doesn't seem good. And I love the ocean. I, it's like the one thing I hate about not living near the ocean is that I don't have the ocean. So every time I'm by the ocean, I just want to go sit by it and put my feet in it and stare at it and listen to it. And I read this and I go, wait, what do you mean? There's not going to be an ocean? This sounds very weird and kind of vaguely depressing. <laughs> when you read it, you're like, that doesn't seem any good, but just a couple Verses later, he says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things had passed away. 
just like Aaron was talking about this morning. And so look, if you are like me and you love the ocean or you love Hawaii or you love the mountains or you love the desert or whatever else it is that you love in the environment around us, it may be hard for you to think about heaven not being like this world. But you have to remember, you won't be sad and you won't be crying and you won't be mourning in the new heaven and the new earth. Why? Because it says the old order of things has passed away. And then remember this, too. All of the beauty we see around us in the earth, where did it come from? It came from catastrophe. When God flooded the earth to show his judgment on the sin of man. So all that stuff we see that we go, wow, it's beauty. It's a reminder of God's judgment on our sin. And what God is saying is, hey, the next time, I'm wiping it all away. And it's going to be something new and beautiful. And we can be confident that the new heaven and the new earth will be better in ways that we can't even fathom. Something that's helped me for the last 20 years is this quote from my friend Mark Dialing. He said, this earth is a ghetto. That's the way he said it. This earth is a ghetto compared to heaven. It is. So everything you see, everything you love, just say, man, I can't even imagine it's going to be better than that. So that's another window. Animals. Animals are a window. Have, Have any of you seen that movie, those movies, The Riot and the Dance? Yeah. It's incredible, right? There's a picture from that. These are these, like, what, what are these? Something that lives in California, something weird. Weird stuff lives in California, right? Yeah. It, like, yeah, elephant seals or something like that, right? And so it's, like, amazing to me. God made the earth, and he made these, and I love those movies because you're like, whoa, God has, like, made this crazy, amazing handiwork stuff. And he did all of it as a means to point us to him. It all points to him. And guess what happened? We messed it up. We sinned. And the Bible tells us our sin broke the universe. And so all the death and the, the riot that happens with these animals, it's our fault. We messed it up. And yet, you know what's cool? God adjusted everything. He was like, yeah, you messed it up. We'll make it keep going. Right? There's this whole thing called the food chain, right? Where the, the, the thing, animals eat the other animals that eat the other animals, right? It's amazing, but it's all based on death. And we go, wow, God made this amazing thing to sort of deal with the fact that we messed up his creation with our sin. He fixed it, he made it. And they go, wow, I believe there was no food chain before the fall. And yet somehow God had all the systems there ready to go so that animals could eat other animals. It's amazing. God is amazing. So will there be animals in heaven? These are his special creations. Are they going to find a home in heaven? Or we could say, will all dogs go to heaven? Oh. Well, we know one thing is for sure is that cats will not go to heaven because cats are just wrong. I'm teasing. In all seriousness, you know what? There's not really clear scriptural evidence that tells us whether our pets are going to be with us in heaven. I'm sorry. But our pets are important to us, at least to some of us, not to me. 
My dog is not important to me. Sorry. But that's okay. To some of you, it is. Some of you, your pets are like family. And so I think a good rule of thumb is this. God knows you. And God knows what you need. And when we're in heaven, your needs are going to be covered. And so one of two things are going to be happening because we know there's not going to be any mourning or crying or pain in heaven. So one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to have your pets, and maybe some of you are crazy cat ladies, and you'll have cats crawling all over you in heaven, and that's what you need. Or you're going to be full and complete and content without them. And there'll be something else. So, okay, what is the window What's that window that Scripture gives us into into heaven with animals? And it's there in Isaiah 11. We read it this morning, didn't we? The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. Now this passage is a prophetic description of the reign of Jesus Christ and the peace that he is going to bring in his heavenly kingdom. So it, I suppose it could be symbolic. It could be symbolic of, yeah, you know, there's you know, all these animals and the people, you know, it's like there's not going to be violence and people are going to get along. Or it could mean exactly what it says, which is there's going to be animals there right? Even snakes. I don't even like snakes. I hate snakes. But twice it talks about snakes. So somehow I think animals are going to be there. And guess what? They're not going to eat each other and they're not going to harm us. And finally, these creatures that God made as his handiwork to show us who he is and point us to him, they will get to exist in the way they were meant to exist. So I think there will be animals in heaven. I don't know about your dogs. I'm pretty sure not your cats. Another window into heaven is our relationships. What about our relationships? This is a picture of my most important human relationship. That's my wife. Been married 19 years. And I think this is one of those most important questions we can ask. This is my final window into heaven here. What about our relationships? Most of you are probably asking that question or or starting to ask that question or maybe you have asked that question in your life which is who will I marry or will I get married before the rapture Rich will answer that question tonight whether you'll get married before the rapture or not but you guys know about that right there's this whole thing called the bachelor till rapture club Yeah, when I was younger, there was a lot, I knew I had a lot of peers who were like, yeah, I'm in the BTR club. BTR. Well, they were just, that was like camouflage because it really meant beat the rapture. Right? They were going to get married before the rapture. They wanted to beat it. BTR has two meanings. So who will be in heaven? Well, Scripture gives us some, some windows there. We've gone through some of these, right? A feast for rich foods for how many people? All all peoples. My father's house has many rooms. That would be for many people, right? People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast. I love it, right? 
it looks like we're not going to surrender the diversity that we have. We're going to come from all these places and there's going to be something about us and those characteristics and qualities that we have, they're not just going to necessarily get wiped out. It'll be there. We're coming from all these places to be part of this feast in the kingdom of God. I had the opportunity this spring to go see these guys. Went with my sons and we got to go see Toby Mac. It was an awesome show. And at some point, I was standing out there in the concourse waiting for the show to start. And I was standing with one of my sons, and, and we were just looking at these people. And he asked me this good question. He said, Dad, do you suppose most of these people are believers? And I was like, thinking about the kind of music that was being played. And I was like, yeah, I think probably most of the people who are here are believers. And then it got me thinking, and I started looking around, and I saw, I saw like, elderly people in wheelchairs, like in their little motorized scooters. I was like, wow, they're going to see Toby Mac. And there was like people with their tiny little kids. And there was like kids and then teenagers and young people and older people. There was every age of person. There were men. There were women. There were people with dark skin. There were people with light skin. There were people with other shades of, of skin. There were people with different facial features. There were, you know, little skinny people. There were not skinny people. There were all kinds of people, and they were all hanging around because they were all going to go in and worship God together. And I said, this is like a, I said, son, this is like a picture of heaven. Like, this is where we're going to be. We're going to be all these shapes, these people who've come from all these corners together, and we're about to go to some awesome worship and spend time together. It's amazing. And there's going to be lots of people there. And I always tell people, you know, it's not really about the number of people. It's about the number of relationships. Right? So if there's a couple that lives in a home, there's, you know, one relationship in their house. And then, you know, some of you, maybe, maybe any of you are, are like an only child. If you're the only one living at home. You've got three relationships in your house, right? It's like a triangle. Well, if there's a parents and two kids, then you've got six relationships. And if there's three kids, there's ten relationships. And it goes on up. In my house, there's six kids and two of us, 28 relationships, I'm pretty sure, Steve, when at the height of your parenting and everybody's home, I think you had like 44 relationships in your house, right? And so people were like, oh, this pandemic and having to stay at home. I was like, man, there's still more relationships in my house than I can handle, even when we all had to stay home. Imagine how many relationships there'll be in heaven with all the people from the east and the west and the north and the south. And guess what? You'll be there. And there'll be all these relationships and not a single one is one where you'd be like, oh, I'm going to avert my eyes and walk over here because I want to avoid them. (laughs) Or, oh, man, they they trouble me. Or, man, that's an EGR. You guys know what EGR is? Extra grace required. (laughs) There won't be any of those. There won't be any of those. And why? Because Revelation 21.4 tells us there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And we have to remember that Every relationship we have on this earth, every single one, even the marriage relationships, and some of you who aren't married are just thinking you have this idea of, oh, I'm going to get married and it's going to be perfect. There's still brokenness. There's still pain. There's still suffering. There's still hurt. There's still bruised feeling. There's still separation, even in the best of relationships, even in the favorites, even in the ones that don't require extra grace. Someday, all of those relationships that we have in heaven will be right. 
And then think about who's going to be there. Ever think about who's going to be in heaven? We'll be like, look, it's the Apostle Paul. And he's talking to Mother Teresa. And they'll be like, hey, come over here. And you'll go over and talk to them. It'll be amazing, right? And then you'll be like, look, it's Martin Luther. And he's talking to Martin Luther King. (laughs) Wow, I wonder what they're talking about. Or you'll be like, hey, look, there goes Josh Whitney. Josh, where are you going? Oh, you're going to make a spreadsheet for God? Cool. (laughs) And you'll have a relationship with all of these people. Now, a lot of you will ask that question, marriage, marriage relationships. What is marriage like in heaven? What's that going to be? Well, Jesus tells us straight up because he's asked about that by these guys who are trying to trap him. And he says, you guys are in error as you try to trap me because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. And so your first reaction might be, what? No marriage. That doesn't seem good. BTR. But remember what Jesus told us elsewhere about marriage. Marriage is a picture. It is a picture of our relationship with God. It is a picture of his relationship with us. When we get to heaven, we aren't going to need that picture anymore. Right? It's just like if I went to Hawaii and I had my picture book and I just kept looking at pictures of Hawaii. And you'd be like, Greg, get your eyes up. It's in front of you. We won't need the picture book anymore. We won't need that picture. The Bible tells us that two is better than one. And let me tell you, two is better than one. But we'll have that in heaven because we'll be with God. We'll be in his presence. And sometimes we can get so focused on this verse of, what, there's no heaven, or there's no, there's no marriage in heaven. But what does it tell us that there is? It says we'll be like what? Angels. We'll be like the angels in heaven. How do the angels relate to each other? We don't know. But it's got to be better than how we relate to each other and even marriage. And remember, just like we said, If there's no pain, and there's no sorrow, and there's no death, then whatever the relationships are going to be, they're going to be amazing and perfect and wonderful. And isn't that worth looking forward to? It's not some floating on clouds with a harp. It's amazing. We have all of these windows, all of these windows in Scripture that we can start to think and they can start to make our spirit leap and say, wow, this is going to be amazing. And so I want you guys to do this exercise with me now. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes and turn on your imagination. Put on your thinking cap or whatever it is they say in school these days. I want you to do that. Close your eyes now and imagine. Imagine that we are going to dine together. We are going to dine together at an amazing feast. Imagine table laid out with all kinds of wonderful foods that won't go bad. And imagine that there's a, we're sitting in a heavenly city in this heavenly earth that we can explore together and there is no destruction and it is a place and it is a place and there is a room for you. 
There is a room for you. And we're going to be together, not just with people, but with, there'll be animals. Maybe they'll be hanging out with us. I don't know what they'll look like. Maybe they'll talk. I don't know. Imagine that. And imagine those relationships, all the people who you you wish you could be more connected to or who you have broken relationships with who maybe know the Lord and you're going to be together. People from all over the world and all over history and all places and times will be there. And best of all, there will be no tears. There will be no sorrow. There will be no pain. And we'll be in the presence of God forever. God, we thank you that you're going to do this. God, that you have gone ahead and are preparing a place for us. Lord, thank you. And God, we just recognize that it's probably indescribable. Right? If, if the Apostle Paul's experience is, is what it's like, we, we would go and, and see it and we could never talk about it because it could be indescribable. And yet someday you're going to let us see that and experience it. So Lord, help us. Lord, help us to not be weighed down by the cares and the pain and the sorrow and the brokenness of this world that we miss the opportunity to imagine and to look forward to that place in that time where we'll be with you for eternity when all things are made new. God, thank you that you've done this for us. But Lord, we also remember too that it's not just for everybody. God, it breaks my heart when I see in our culture this idea that, well, you just die and go to heaven, regardless of who you are. God, we each one of us has to recognize that our sin separates us from you. Our sin has separated us from you. The thing that we have each done that's broken the universe separates us from you because you are a perfect God. Lord, we know that you sent Jesus Christ to earth and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and he came back from the dead to offer us a free gift to say, hey, if you believe in me, if you place your trust in me, if you claim me as your Lord in this life, I've satisfied that penalty that's due for you for your sins and you'll get to be with me in heaven. So, Lord, if there's anyone who's here even this morning who has not placed their faith in Jesus, Lord, it's my hope that they would, that, that each one of us sitting in this room would be together someday in heaven. And we get to show each other our rooms and say, check out this room that God made for me. Let's go eat together. Thank you for doing that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.